Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Ben and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. And welcome back, everyone. Today we're discussing album number 29 from Rolling Stone's Top 500 album list, which is Led Zeppelin by, you guessed it, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Commonly referred to as Led Zeppelin 1, even though it doesn't say 1 anywhere, but everyone calls it 1. Right. Uh, We may have also introduced them as the New Yardbirds, because I think uh, their name came just as they were recording this, but they had crafted a few of these songs under the moniker of the New Yardbirds. So, um, yes, they they toured, um, and we'll get into this later, but Jimmy Page had to finish his tour by yeah. contract and some of the other guys had already taken off so he toured with the zeppelin guys with at least with actually it might have been all of them in that last summer before they recorded in 68 and uh they were called the the new yardbirds and and they did some of their new material which would appear on right. Led zeppelin uh, as the new as the new Yardbirds, or you're and right. Since they've got so many self-titled uh, albums, maybe we should call this Led Zeppelin by the New Yardbirds to avoid confusion with the other <laughs> Led Zeppelin albums. Well, the, I think there's only two that are self-titled because there's Led Zeppelin two, Led Zeppelin three, which are actually called right. two and three. Led Zeppelin four doesn't doesn't say four anywhere. There's four yeah. symbols, which which people speculate meant to mean for and some people call it zozo which because one of the symbols kind of says yeah. zozo on it z-o-s-o but that one's technically self-titled yeah. as well but everyone calls right. it four and I, everyone i know calls this one one so uh welcome back everyone <laughs> we're talking about led zeppelin one <laughs> by led zeppelin aka yeah aka led zeppelin aka the new york Bruce. perfect have you listened to this album before? No, this was a new one for me. A couple of familiar songs. Um, I'm far more familiar with Zeppelin IV. Um, okay, yeah. Not exactly sure why. Maybe it was just the one that was on sale when I was thinking about adding a Zeppelin album to my collection. Um, and, but Stairway well, to Heaven, st- maybe. Stairway to Heaven, Rock and Roll, Black yeah. Dog. Like, I think those are some of their most prolific songs for people who aren't really into them yeah anyways yeah i think so too and actually i think that right there is going to be an undercurrent of this episode for me i'm i'm a little perplexed uh i skipped around their their early records here this this week as i was getting ready and uh two is great three is great four is great i i'm i'm really Mm -hmm. interested in why uh, this first debut album rises above all the rest. 
um, when they've got so many other good ones too. And um, and hopefully by the time we get to uh, was it sound logic, we can uh, come up with some rationale for why that is um, as we go through this process. Yeah, I think that's going to come up again. Interesting. I think we'll talk about you know the same thing we talk about all the time: influence and how the list was created. But yeah. um, how about you? Was this a, a new one for you? Well, listening to the album start to finish was new. I had never actually done that. However, I was familiar with pretty much all the tunes. I, uh, my brother-in-law is really into Zeppelin, and I've heard a lot of this stuff over the years. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Zeppelin's one of those bands where there's a lot of songs on the radio now that have become regular radio songs but weren't ever singles yeah um and i don't know exactly how that happens or you know but but there are songs on the radio that were not singles so i know some of those too so i knew i knew probably three quarters of this album but hadn't listened to it in that album format so that part of it was new and some of the songs we're not familiar with so um i always really appreciate hearing how the band decided to lay yeah. it all out. Uh, so that was probably the part of it that was new. Um, I didn't get into the Zeppelin till a little later, like in my teens and early twenties, it, it, it was kind of like the stones. It was a band I was familiar with, but just didn't was never compelled to really get into them or buy an album. So I didn't have any albums till later in my 20s. My brother-in-law, Andrew, bought me my first Zeppelin CD, I think, for Christmas one year. It was Zeppelin three, okay. which I think is an interesting choice, but I think it was one of his favorites, or maybe it was on sale <laughs> somewhere. But, um, but, but that was my first one I really liked. That's got, like, Immigrant Song on it, some other cool stuff. And then I think he also got me two... And I think I bought some other ones. I've bought four and Houses of the Holy, but I never got Zeppelin one. So, uh, so that so listening to it as an album, that part is new. We've got uh, lots of lots of rambling thoughts about compilation albums, but this was a band where I wanted a compilation album, and until somewhat more recently, they they'd never put one out. And so in high school, I had our uh, a friend Phil who was. Uh, uh, guest just a couple of episodes ago for the Joshua Tree, put together a mix CD, um, just as sort mm-hmm. of burnable CDs were coming out, I guess, of some Zeppelin songs. And so I think my first influence was was that. It was um, a sampling of what Phil thought I should be <laughs> aware of from their catalog. <laughs> uh, and it had lots of right. great stuff on it. Um, uh, I think then when we were in college or maybe soon after, uh, Zeppelin released a three disc box set called uh, how the West was one. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think that's where I get most of my understanding of the uh, spectrum of their career. And it was kind of interesting to tackle this album in particular, knowing that it was the sort of beginning point for this band, uh, especially as someone who <laughs> generally looks down upon greatest hits albums. It it actually felt like long overdue to go back and start at the beginning and work through their music um, as it was released. You want some details? Yeah, let's get to some details. Details, 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 details. Uh, this album was released January 12th, 1969. Um, 
also same year later in the year zeppelin 2 came out we've talked so many times (laughs) that they're just cranking out the music because this album was recorded in 68 and most of the music was you know was all they had written it while they were touring they had already done i think three or four of the songs already two of them are covers yep um so they they had started playing them so I, i think that's a great way as a new band, you have your you mix in a couple well-known like blues classics into your album, so people have something they're familiar with too uh, to kind of get them into it. So uh, this was Led Zeppelin's debut album. They had toured together under the name of the New Yardbirds because Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds before. He was contractually obligated to finish the tour in Scandinavia. And the other members had split, or for some reason, I think he had the right to the name, the rights to the name. Yeah. So he had to stick around and do the tour. So he got these guys. Uh, he had played with, I think Bonham or Jones. Actually, it was Jones. Pretty Jones. sure it was yep. Jones. John Paul Jones and someone else knew um, Plant, and then they had played with Bonham before, so they all got together. And then when they finished touring, they went to the studio, already having a bunch of ideas and songs they had performed. Uh, total, Jimmy Page said it took 36 hours uh, to, do, to do it. And then he mixed it himself, which is just crazy. Um, so and, uh, apparently the, the amount of time that it took, they know that specifically because they were charged by the hour and they were footing the bill. They still didn't have a firm record right. deal. And so it was all sort of out of pocket. So <laughs> they were trying to crush through this as fast as they could. Um, and so they've got an, yeah, the studio was charging right. them for the they've time. They've got an right? invoice that says yeah. they were billed for 36 hours of studio time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so Jimmy Page wrote most of this uh, with some tracks having credits from various other members. And then uh, You Shook Me was a Muddy Waters song, which he did. And I Can't Quit You Baby was a Willie Dixon song. Yeah. So that that's that kind of blues influence there. Um, this went to number 10 on Billboard in the U.S. Um, total... Worldwide sales to date is over 11 million, so not too shabby. Rolling Stone at the time criticized this album, called it limited. Uh, Page's production being limited and plant singing foppish. <laughs> Do you know what that means? No. I was going to Google that. I don't know what that means. Foppish? Um, sounds negative anyways. Uh, <laughs> but obviously they've changed their tune because they put it in the number 29 album best album of all time yeah. so um uh apparently uh someone who's foppish is concerned with their clothing and appearance it's uh, sort of like a, a you could it could be substituted for vain so um yeah i don't know how that applies to music but well i mean they're right but <laughs> most <laughs> artists that doesn't mean it's not good most artists probably think the song well, is about I mean, them right I guess this is the beginning of 70s rock bands, but I would describe all 70s rock lead singers as that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, isn't that all of them? (laughs) You can hang out with people in a band, knowing that they're in a band, and just hang out and go out to dinner, and you can tell 
without anybody saying anything about their instrument, you can tell what everybody plays. Yeah. <laughs> By the, just the way they behave and act and dress. And uh, yeah, you could definitely pick out the lead singer in a 70s rock band. This this is the birth. To me, this is the birth of 70s rock. Yeah. I, and we'll get into it. I think this, that's We'll true. get into that later. Yeah. But. Well, and I think we should say, as we're going over some details here, that we're coming out of the sort of, um, you know, pivotal a point of rock and roll at the late sixties. Um, lots of bands are breaking apart and reforming and sort of super groups are happening. Um, and I've seen mm-hmm. some, uh, reflections that say the, the reason that it was sort of, uh, underwhelming for critics at the time is that they were being introduced to all these super groups that everyone was just sort of right. gaga over. And so if you didn't have the right kind of blend of, you know, people who'd been successful many other times in their career coming together. It was it was kind of hard even to just uh, be noticed. Um, it's sort of hard to imagine a time now where Led Zeppelin isn't just uh, enormous, but uh, but there was a time when you know those well, four names that are doing it. sort of iconic rock names now, right? Uh, Plant, Page, Jones, and Bonham. Uh, you know, yeah. that could be a, one of those T-shirts with just the four names in a row and people would automatically say, no. oh, it's Zeppelin, <laughs> right? Um, and it sort of feels like a supergroup now, but there was a time where it really wasn't. And uh, and that was what they were up against. Yeah, lot, lots, of, lots of group were doing it. Uh, Crosby, Sills, Nash & Young, like that was a supergroup. Yeah. They had all been in bands before. Yeah. Bands like Cream. Cream. Um, I mean, even the Yardbirds, right, uh, launched... Uh, a bunch of different uh, guitarists clap, clap. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. For sure. So yeah, I guess if everyone's doing it, it just becomes kind of white noise and uh, yeah, whatever. Here's another yep. band. Um, and, and they never had a U.S. number one hit. So even at the time, like they were big, but there were other things that were bigger. And I think with Zeppelin, like a lot of other bands too, they got bigger later their career has continued to blossom from when they started and from after they stopped. Like they are, they are, they're legendary. Um, anyways, don't want to get too far (laughs) ahead. Um, but I like what you said about super groups. That's a good segue into us talking about the album cover. And this was an album cover for me that because the, the words Led Zeppelin are so small, I, never remember what the album cover for Zeppelin one looks like. Uh, so I had never really remembered that this was <laughs> it, but this is the one for Zeppelin one. Um, it's a picture of a Zeppelin. Uh, it is a picture of the Hindenburg taken moments after it exploded in 1937 in Paris. The, the image has been uh, yeah. altered a bit. They've changed. It's black and well, it was black and white originally, but it, it changed. Kind of the, there's a little grainy. It's shadowy. Um, uh, some descriptions of it were very phallic. <laughs> uh, it's phallic yeah. looking, um, and there was uh, uh, someone writing in Rolling Stone. Again, uh, not one at the time, but one you know reviewing it in the 2000s said the cover. Uh, encapsulates the feel of the music inside it's got sex catastrophe and things <laughs> blowing up so that 
that's all kind of you can read that all into yeah. the into the cover. So um, the one that that most the, of us are familiar with has a red font, but apparently it was originally uh, produced with a sort of teal blue font. Um, oh, so I didn't know that. You, in your quest for the the, the that's worth a lot of money, a record collection, I guess. If you ever see one with blue, yeah. uh, just pay whatever the asking price is because it was the <laughs> sure. the original and now the most sought after by Done. collectors. <laughs> Will do. Um, so because I think because the name was so new, yeah. cause they, they didn't have the name till they were recording. Um, you know, they had, they wanted the image to have something to do with the name and the story for the name is that page and plant and maybe some of the other guys were together. I don't know if this was an official meeting or they were just having drinks with uh, Keith moon and John and drummer and bassist respectfully for the who and this was actually no sorry let me go back a bit this was i think before the band was totally formed because keith moon and john entwistle were considering joining uh page and plant or maybe uh page and jones but i think it was page and plant to create a super group and keith moon said uh if i joined it would probably go down like a lead balloon and John Entwistle piped up a Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was kind of a joke, but then that stuck and it became the name. Uh, many, many years later, they actually got sued by uh, a lady who was part of the Zeppelin. <laughs> she was an heiress to the Zeppelin empire, and she was trying to sue them uh, because they're using the the name, yeah. the family name, right? So. Uh, so so interesting, but so iconic. Led Zeppelin, get get the yep. lead out. You know, like all this stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, not to me, not an iconic cover. Uh, I think it is yeah. for a lot of people. Um, this is interesting uh, to take a famous picture from history and put yeah. it on your album cover. Yeah, and it makes sense why I guess um, tying it to the name. But, but kind of a bold move, yeah. <laughs> pretty bold, pretty bold, and and that like that was that was a horrific yeah. <laughs> catastrophe, right? Like it wasn't like you know just something that happened isolated. Like I, I'm pretty sure lots right. of people lost their right. lives in that horrible accident. So to put it, this that's very rock and roll, right? Yep. To put that on, like yeah, like <laughs> you know, I think of rage rage against the machine with the picture of the the guy burning the monk yeah. yeah the monk who's uh, who's self-immolated right like this is like whoa this is sending like a crazy it's message not what we strive for but but the name is not no, right what they strive like, for either right the name is sort of this self-inflicting like we're probably never going anywhere um so, it was, it was so why joke. not put something tragic on the cover um, no <laughs> it's not gonna happen it's 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 great i love the i love the lore of it yeah it almost makes it a little mytho- mythological, yeah. and and I really like. I'm surprised that. to hear you say that um, uh, it's not a, a standout cover for you, Mike. I can never remember which numbers the albums mm. are, which <laughs> which number goes with which. That's that's what uh, I mean. But I but I know that it's an yeah. iconic Zeppelin album image. I until maybe yeah. until embarking on this particular uh, album, uh, I would have been like, oh, it's probably one of the numbered ones. <laughs> um, I think the only one that really sticks out to me, or 
I have a lot of them now, but previously was Houses of the Holy because it's got this weirdly colored oh, image yeah. of these naked children climbing up yep. the rocks, right? And it's just like it's just like so far out there. Uh, my son calls it uh, the one with the naked blue people <laughs> on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I for many years I get them all mixed up. Uh, Zeppelin three is the one, and we can talk about it now because it's not on the five hundred list. The original, um, it's a bunch of circles with different pictures in them, and there's it actually it's there's a wheel behind the uh, the cover. You can spin it, so there's a little you know like on the side of the album you can spin it so that yeah there's the whole the circles on the front of it are cut out so you can spin the wheel that's moving behind the circles and you can change the images that fit in the circle. Yeah. It's like sticky fingers, uh, stones with the working zipper. This one, you can actually spin it and it changes the images behind. Uh, there's a little, yeah. So if, again, if you're out there and you find, because any, any of the reprints of the album don't have that. It's just a static image. But if you get an original one and I don't know, I don't know how many of the reprints, the the later pressings they did the same one but i think it was just the original you know, however many hundred thousand they did the first one you can spin that it's pretty cool interesting so if you're out there looking for records you find that you grab that one same with the sticky yeah. fingers with the working zipper and the led zeppelin with the blue teal we got to make a list of all the things you got to watch <laughs> for at garage sales and yeah. uh yeah so anyways zeppelin one right cool. Step on one. Here we are. I think this, I think you're going to have to bring me back in a few times. <laughs> going to be all over the map. Zep. Um, track listing. Yeah. Okay. Nine tracks. Uh, and Seems like a theme. They're awesome. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned this. If you're starting to get some tracks that are a little longer, you're only going to have like eight or nine or ten. Because yep. the format only holds it. It's an LP. It holds what it holds. <laughs> yeah. You, it, it has nothing to do with kilobytes, megabytes, gigabytes, something like that. There's a physical space <laughs> that fits that groove. Yeah. You can only put so much. And really, I think it's about time. Because the grooves yep. are going to be a certain width. So just it's, it's just time. Anyways. Um, well, it makes me wonder too how many, and this is a bit of a tangent for another day, maybe. But how many great bands had a song that was like eight minutes, and it and it would have bumped the song three minutes over the album time, and so it it never got put on, um, or or they had yeah. like two really good three minute songs, but they only had five minutes left, and so they they chose a four minute song that wasn't as good. Um, sure, oh, those yeah. kinds of things. I'm, you know, it, it just because of the, and who knows, maybe that's why we get some of these quasi bloated double albums that probably should have been a single album. But, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by those stories that are probably yeah. lost because of the technology don't really happen anymore. Well, just, you know, we think about some of these incredibly iconic and legendary albums and it could have been one conversation. Ah, we yep. got to pick two tracks yeah. or we got to pick one of these two, which one? Well, I like this one. And that's it. Yep. And then it's in the history books forever. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that's a big decision. So, um, okay. Nine tracks. Uh, do you want to oh. just go through one at a time? <laughs> uh, yep. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> um, 
track one. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good times, bad times. To me, this song is all about the drumming. It's all yeah, drumming. I think like, it, it sets a tone that this band yeah. is not afraid of timing. There's, no, there's and, and, and lots different of different types of timing, right? Different timing types change. of timing. Yep. And different timings for each instrument, too. They're willing to have um, all kinds of experimentation going on. It's a, it's such a hook song, too. Like, it is the perfect song to start an album. And at a very reasonable 246. Uh, like, yeah. I know there are a couple other shorter songs on this album, but I think of Zeppelin and I think like five to eight minute rock anthems not uh well the next three songs are all over six (laughs) minutes that's long that's not a radio song right right (laughs) so this gets you gets you in introduced to the band and then we're off like in and out like prom night yeah like this way we go and this was the only single from the album is that correct yes because they wanted to they didn't want to release a single or didn't have the money and uh, but they, but they had to to or were encouraged to to promote it. But yeah. this is what I was saying. Since like you hear this stuff on the radio now, because eventually yeah. people just wanted to hear it and play it. Yeah, like Days and Confuses on the radio, and you know, Communication Breakdown. Right. Like, interesting. Communication Breakdown was that a B side for this? Uh, I think it was. I'm not sure. It, it's fascinating because, you know, they don't want to release singles. I think there was part of it that didn't want to play into the consumerism mentality of the industry. Um, right. uh, you know, we're making our arts, like, let us make art and, and don't confine us. But <laughs> their single is amazing. Like, it, their single might be the best song on the oh album, at least God. in my opinion. Um, as a sort of radio Ooh. hit. And I think, like, I would have I loved to hear... Um, them aiming for sort of uh, a, a chart-topping single-filled album, like <laughs> give me give me uh, nine tracks of good times, bad times, just in different kind of formats, and it would have been it would have been really cool. I love the other stuff too, but um, uh, singles back then. Remember, this is the, the there's no you know you're probably not getting a TV spot. There's no there's no internet. There's no Facebook. There's not, there's none of that. You can't yeah. put stuff out and have it just out there. If you put something up on YouTube, like millions of people have seen it in seconds. Yeah. If you want it out there, it's out there. But yeah. you can't you can't make somebody turn the radio on. That's like, true. <laughs> it's got to be on. So, you know, can you imagine if you're a Yardbirds fan? And all of a sudden, you know, you, you haven't been tuning into, you know, going to the, getting the special magazines or whatever that you would maybe find news or, or tuning into special radio shows to find out what happened at the Scandinavia tour. Cause you'd have to be a pretty hardcore fan to have that much info. You didn't get the info like we get it now. <laughs> so you turn on the radio and they're like a uh, new band from uh, Jimmy Page, uh, this is called Led Zeppelin. Here's Good Times, Bad Times, and you hear this, and you're and you're a Yardbirds fan. Like your mind is gonna just blow up all yeah. over the place, and that guitar playing is like insane. This is like, you know, this is not. We don't have '70s guitarists and guitar bands yet. We've got Jimi Hendrix, and we've got really good blues guitarists like Clapton. This is like, woo! This is right up there with those guys, right? And it's and it's wild. It's not a regular blues right. solo. It's just a wild, crazy, crazy stuff with all the drumming, the uh, crazy vocals. Um, it's 
you're 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 right. I think you're right. I think it might be the best song on the album. It's certainly the one that grabs mm-hmm. you, and it is the obvious choice for a single. If there's going to be one, yeah. And it, it's, this I, I mean, I guess I got to watch what I say here because I wasn't around in 1969, and Jimi Hendrix was about to sort of make a massive splash too. But I I imagine this is pr- like you said, uh, not just for Yardbird fans, but I'm guessing this sounded like nothing else that was on the radio just in general. <laughs> no, no. Like I, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's just way out there. Well, and when, when I was young and saying like talking to my parents or people of my parents' generation about heavy metal or hard rock, yeah, it was like, Oh, you mean Zeppelin? And, and my response, I was like, well, that's classic rock. Yeah. And they're like, no, <laughs> like classic rock is like, you know, like uh, Doobie Brothers yeah. and yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, like light stuff, like yacht rock. Right. But this is like, this is hard rock. You know, yeah. this was, this was heavy. Yeah. And um, I think it's held, uh, it's held up pretty well as, as heavy. Like I, I think this, the oh, kids geez. who wear Slayer t-shirts are still wearing Zeppelin t-shirts too. Um, of course they are. Uh, it, cause it does have some like punch that, that hasn't really softened over time. I, I think you're right. There's, there's stuff on here that, um, is solidly fitting into what I think of when I think classic rock, but it is also, um, much harder than, than a lot of classic rock too. Yeah. I, I think technology, you know, is, is again, the, the, the big thing that changes, yeah. like, you know, Paige is playing a, a Les Paul or an SG yeah. uh, with, you know, with distortion at the time, you know, whereas you get into the 80s and 90s, you're going to get, you know, someone playing an Ibanez yeah. with like a heavy, crazy crunch yeah. uh, metal distortion, which you wouldn't have heard in the 70s. Uh, but the a lot of the, the style of it is, is very right. similar. But it is a good segue then into track two, because that's pretty much acoustic guitar driven. Um, so we're still yep. in that like late sixties, uh, uh, you oh, know, yeah. to be a real band, you've got to have acoustic guitar in there somewhere. Um, so even though you've got that crunching, uh, electric guitar on track one, and even though babe, I'm going to leave you is a pretty uptempo aggressive song. It's, it's powered by a consistent acoustic guitar sound all the way through. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's finger picking. It's almost yeah, classical yeah, right. for the first yeah. half of it. Then they get then they get in into the chorus, um, and you have that crunch. See that sound almost reminds me of like a like a Rolling Stone sort of crunch because they were one of the first to do yeah. like a fuzz tone, like satisfaction. So that's like kind of a crunchiness there um, yep. with the rhythm guitar. Um, so okay, so now <laughs> we're on to track two. We've changed. We've changed Good. tone. Track one. Uh, sort of upbeat good times bad times to suddenly we're in a minor key it's long and it's drawn out and lots of wailing too and when we get to the the break with the drums and when the those like power chords come in do 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 i cannot listen to this song without thinking of 25 or 6 to 4 by chicago you know this song yeah i've never drawn the two together you know that song Okay, and subsequently, 
Although it's a different rhythm, Brain Stew by Green Day. Yeah. Different rhythm, but exact same chords and progression. Um, and in fact, in my listening experience, I listened to them in that opposite order. I heard Brain Stew first. Yeah. You know, listened to Green Day in like 1994. And then I heard, you know, Chicago somewhere. And then I heard, because this is not like Babe, I'm going to leave you is, is more of a deep cut so? for Zeppelin. Uh, if you're not a Zeppelin. Well, if you're not a Zeppelin fan, I don't think you've heard it. If you don't have the album, I doubt you've heard this song. Oh, come on. It's on Q107. Babe, I'm going to leave you? Yeah. I don't maybe think not? so. Not these days. Maybe, oh. maybe at one point. Um, but I don't. Uh, I think it would be uh, if you get if you get a casual classic rock listener to list you know five to ten Zeppelin songs. Well, I think this well, yeah, is it, not going to make more lists. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't have the um, you know word association. Name is Zeppelin song "Stairway to Heaven." Uh, you know, it, it, "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave right. You" is not there, but I think that that is iconic uh, classic rock radio. I think that oh, for that sure, chorus. Um, you're right; it might not I be think it's as because of Chicago. I think it's also this song. I think this song gets okay. gets some play. Okay. I could be wrong, but and I I don't know where else I would have heard it if not because I've I've never listened to this album all the way through. Maybe it's mm. on How the West Was Won, but it's definitely a very familiar song um, to me. Um, boy, you made me pause there for a minute. Now I, now I can figure this out a little bit. <laughs> listen, you know what? I'm talking about, like, we listen to that album, or sorry, that radio station at work yeah. a lot. Like, every day, we kind of listen to one radio station in the morning and one in the afternoon. So it's on all the time. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just speaking, I'm just speaking in experience. Yeah of today what that radio station is playing today because it changes every two or three years they totally change the format and change the playlist so that's just one radio station in one city in one era so you know that I'm not going to really defend it too hard because you could be absolutely right and there could be another province or state or city where they play this song like every day it's possible that it was uh, from another spot that I've lived and classic radio there or maybe it was on that uh, mix CD that Phil made for me too I don't know (laughs) okay well I wasn't going to bring this up because it's a little obscure but I have this hilarious memory and I don't know if you were there um, when Steve and Phil moved off the farm into your grandparents Uh place Um, and Phil and Steve lived in the basement Um, they didn't really have a bedroom they just had like mattresses on the floor and I remember we were playing uh, (laughs) I think Chris it was Phil and Steve and Chris for sure and I don't know if you were there they were playing Name That Tune (laughs) and they were doing Just Zeppelin (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) they would push play and I think it was Chris and Phil would like just shout out just shout out every single name they knew like all at once <laughs> and Babe I'm Gonna Leave You came up like every single time they push play Babe I'm Gonna Leave You, Days of Confused, like they just shout them all out until they got the right one <laughs> so that's how I remember the name of Babe I'm Gonna Leave You because they're like as soon as as soon as some sound came out of the speaker they started shouting out <laughs> a name <laughs> hoping that they'd get it right so that was funny, they obviously that's really funny, funny. Babe, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, so that I love the dynamics in that song. 
so, you know, so beautiful, almost ethereal at the beginning. Like some some of this, listen, you if you don't if you're not really a, a Zeppelin fan, you're not gonna think of this word that I'm gonna use. Some of this is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Like it's beautiful. Um your time is gonna come with all the organ and everything, and baby gonna leave you with the kind of background um uh, vocalization, not words, but just kind of ahs by um, Robert Plant in the beginning of Babe, I'm going to leave you. It's yeah. really pretty. It's yeah. almost haunting. Um, uh, and then they, they come in with the hard... John John Bonham is known for being a hard-hitting drummer. Hard to... Um, what is the word that I'm looking Emulate. For? Emulate. Yes, thank you. That's exactly the yes. word. Yes. <laughs> hard-hitting, hard-hitting drummer, but not a simple drummer. No. Like, he does... He does some complicated things in terms of the fills and the timing. Yeah. But he's like, he's hard, hard on the hi hat. Like mm-hmm. those one, two, three, fours on the hi hats are like, he must have just beat the crap out of his sticks and his kicks <laughs> because he hits hard. Yeah. So when he comes in in this song and everyone else, it's like, boom, you know, you're just like kind of uh, sinking into your chair listening to this beautiful finger picking. Yeah. And then you're just like, Bam, you know it's uh, it's great. I heard a uh, read something this week about the production of this album, and um, the article that I was reading mentioned that this was one of the first bands to not just put the mic right up to the instrument or the speaker or the um, piece of drum equipment, but to also mic the room, and so oh. it it gave this like. Um, dual tone where you get they for yeah. each for each thing they're recording they would have a mic like say a mic right against the amp and a mic back from the guitar so that you were getting kind of the way the sound moved through the room cool. and i wonder if that makes the drumming especially but but also the the whole rest of the the album just feel like that much more impressive and you know it encompasses you uh because of the way i think the structure of the way that it was recorded so you'd have multiple tracks for each instrument like you'd have the guitar playing you'd have like you know guitar track one which was by the amp and guitar track two which is the microphone you know on the the other side of the room yeah and you'd layer those over top each other that's really cool what a Mm -hmm. neat effect we can do all that with the push of a button now yeah right Um, but they they didn't have that luxury they had to get innovative and and wow i love that i love stuff like that because it's like making do with what you have to create to create and enhance your art yep i love it um and i think that's one of the things that makes this album so special yeah on to track three yeah okay track three (laughs) you shook me this is a song i don't know why um maybe it's because there's other like you shook me all night long by acdc i can never remember how this one goes but this is like a heavy blues track starts with the slide like slide guitar uh jimmy page uh but this is like your classic blues song and i can imagine that if you're not so sure that you're ready to switch over yet from you know your 60s blues stuff and folk rock but you picked up this album you get the first two tracks and you're like well i don't know but then you get oh, okay this is what i'm you know yeah like right like you have to do that isn't so. that clever yeah. i, I want to <laughs> say that it's intentional yeah or maybe it's just because like that's what they were familiar with as artists too yeah. that that's what page came from and 
you know, we know he could play lots of other stuff, and like they were writing some really progressive things, but to do these blues tracks yeah. and the vocal performances here, good grief, yeah. like just just out of this world vocal performance, just crazy. Um, it's worth pointing out again that this was uh, a song made popular by Muddy Waters, but it was written by Willie Dixon, who also wrote "I Can't Quit You, Baby." Um, so right. it's it's got a long track record. I think Willie Dixon wrote it in like the 40s or 50s so um right uh yeah it's an, an interesting an interesting choice for for a you know like what what did your uh relatives call it a uh, heavy metal <laughs> uh or hard rock uh <laughs> hard rock hard rock right this doesn't sound like hard rock this sounds like a sort of a rock take on a blues song um which i guess it is yeah it's 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 bluesy rock with not a typical blues vocalist, right? Like yeah. this isn't, I don't, I don't want to do the race thing, but you know, this is not a, a uh, an old black man from the Delta. Right. We can tell that by hearing it. It's a young white guy. We, we know that by listening to it. Yep. Um, and, and it sounds really good. Um, I also want to point out uh, Robert Plant, not only on the vocals here, but the harmonica. Uh, he's on he, that's him on the harp and not too shabby interesting oh, great um, great great screaming <laughs> <laughs> rock and roll screams like we we just talked about um, the who yeah and I love like you know won't get fooled again all <laughs> the this, uh, yeah. Roger Daltrey's uh, wow you know screams <laughs> like these great rock and roll screams yeah um, and and Robert Plant's is a little different yeah uh, different um Less of a yell and a scream, more of a wail. Uh, it's great, so great. I will say, I like this as an interlude. I think if they had nine tracks of this kind of uh, rock version of blues, it would end up. I, I don't want to say I'd feel bored, but I think it'd be a little bit like the Rolling Stones album or the Chuck Berry album, where we'd be like, okay, yeah, I get what you're doing here, but give me something else. Um, <laughs> and so I'm glad that this is kind of a one-off. Uh, I like it, um, but I don't think I would like a whole album of this. I think they would have uh, disappeared in the ether <laughs> if that's if that's what it had been. Yeah. Because even with as impressive as the, the, all the performances are, I think a whole album of this would have been. Yeah. That was good. It was kind of new, but it's just blues, yeah. right, guys? Yeah, that's right. Like it's not it's not 70s rock. Yeah. Um, uh, also, this is the introduction of uh, organ on the album. We're going to oh, hear yeah. a lot of organ on the album and throughout their career. John Paul Jones will establish that organ is a very important part of Led Zeppelin. We're going to hear it in a lot of songs yeah. throughout the years. And it really, a lot of people, my son said this today. Uh, is that organ? What were we listening to? Is that, is that organ? Or oh, we were listening to Rush and there's synthesizer. That seems like an interesting <laughs> instrument to use in a in a rock band. Do do many bands use organ? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, that doesn't seem. I was like, no, it just rounds out the sound. <laughs> like I said, like Led Zeppelin uses organs and uh, listed all these bands. Uh, yes, uh, Rush, uh, Pink Floyd, like all these bands that use tons of organ yeah. and use it. I said, oh no, it's like it's really important. <laughs> and, and when you think about it, start going through them. So yeah. many 
have the organ yep. there. It's it's a really important part. Uh, there's a point in You Shook Me where uh, it's kind of like a guitar solo, but uh, John Bonham does some kind of crazy drum fill in there too. And um, the stereo mix, I don't know if you've listened to this with headphones on, but it moves uh, around from side to side, almost like you can imagine him playing from one side of the kit to the other. Um, oh. <laughs> it's really fascinating that, uh, that they mixed it that way. Um, this was one of the first albums only to be available on stereo. Uh, up until this point, well, originally stuff would come out in mono, and then there was a period of time where you would go into the record store and you'd have to choose whether you were buying the mono or the stereo version. Oh, wow. Um, and this, oh, is, this is a turning point in music history where they're saying, nope, we're just doing stereo for you this time. Um, nice. And <clears throat> there's some really fun little effects like that where they... They play with that technology and include it in the in the music. Man, can you imagine like coming home thinking you've got like for your massive stereo system, <laughs> thinking you bought the stereo and you've got the mono for like, you know, Pink Floyd or right. something and putting it on <laughs> and or, you know, obviously something earlier being like, oh, man, it's mono. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just nerds like me who would be totally like oh man i got ripped off <laughs> um track four yeah dazed and confused yeah okay um again my rock and roll history is failing me but we hear right away we hear the wah-wah pedal Ooh. um adds me so i'm not sure when that becomes prominent in rock and roll i don't think this was the first time but uh uh, to have that sound right at the opening and it's so eerie you know this uh, just the beginning with the boom boom yeah boom, boom, boom. it's like it's almost like a, uh, okay kids we're gonna play a spooky yeah. track you know like <laughs> um, uh, but it, it sets that tone like and the, and the lyrics are I remember as a kid being a little disturbed by the lyrics, you know, a little dark, like, well, th- like, you know, you and I grew up in, yeah, in church, church backgrounds, like talking about, you know, uh, demons and the devil and hell. And it's like, Ooh, that's, Ooh, this song sounds cool, but I don't know about that stuff. <laughs> like, you know, we took it pretty seriously. Yeah. So it was like, it, some of it is playful, but it does um, sound psychedelic, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that's a great bridge because this—I mean this album doesn't sound like '60s rock to me, '60s psychedelic rock. But there's that nice yeah. little touch um, as we're moving into full, full-blown hard '70s yeah. rock. We got a little bit of that, kind of a, which is almost nice. a Doors sound on this this one. Um, sure. Yes. Hey. Yeah. Great comparison. I like that. Uh, do you think that um, they knew they were writing for uh, an early '90s? comedy uh, movie when they, when they <laughs> I knew that was going to come up but, uh, yeah um, no I don't think there's that association uh, I, well I considered it um, but uh, I guess too when like everyone around you is probably smoking up it's like <laughs> not really a big deal <laughs> maybe right. Right. I don't know 
This was a song for years. Again, Q107 back in the like 2000s. Always, I think it was always on Labor Day weekend. They would do kind of like a Survivor Series for songs. So they'd start like on Thursday or Friday. And every hour there would be two songs and you had to call in or go online and vote. And eventually at the end of the weekend, like on the Monday, you'd be down to just two. And Dazed and Confused won many years in a row as being like the number one rock and roll song. Like it kept just beating out every other song, which is very interesting to me because it's a good song, but it's like, how did that happen? But I guess for rock and roll fans, it's like still really, really cool. Again, not a, not a single. Right. It's way too long at all. It's a single, I guess way too long. And also, you know, it, it got radio play later and I guess just became a staple. I mean, eventually, if people just keep calling in and asking for songs we've played, eventually you just play them, right? Yeah. Like, so this just becomes one of the ones you play. I still hear it on the radio uh, to this day. Um, so, yeah, Days and Confused was one that I knew from earlier on. And to me, yeah, an, an interesting song, dark, uh, mysterious, lots of really interesting sounds. And very, very, again, very, it's got that little bit of psychedelic, but very new. And that, that line, you know, lots of people talk and few of them know, Soul of the Woman was created below. It's like, ooh, ouch. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, don't don't let my wife hear me listening to this. <laughs> you know, like it's, like, it's like, you know, it's tongue in cheek. I'm not going to take it seriously, but that's one, that's a doozy. That's one heck of a line. <laughs> it is. But can you imagine, like, you know, you're... You're lying in your bed, absolutely heartbroken, <laughs> and and you hear that line, and you're like, "Yeah, man, <laughs> I hear you." Like, I'm there, dude. You know, <laughs> like, I'm sure all guys have been there at some point. Like, absolutely, I agree. Um, Dazing views, good tune. Yeah, it's got songs within it too. I mean, it changes its style mm, a couple times, yeah, too, which is a sort of Zeppelin. Uh, marquee, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, there yeah. When they pick up the tempo, you know, totally changes, right? Yep. If you played the beginning and that side by side, you, you would never guess that that's the same tune. Yep. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of really inter- interesting production here, and mixing and stuff. Um, so that is the end of side one. Uh, so so interesting and then um, side two opens up with your time is going to come with opens with all organ uh, beautiful uh, organ of uh, John Paul Jones like it's so diverse yeah. <laughs> you know and at no point am I going oh this uh, this album's a mess it's all over the place right it all I never somehow. said said no one ever yeah. like it's just it's it's all so great it's almost like uh well here's a tie-in a procol harem thing and they actually did have a guy from procol harem touring with them on that 68 tour so there you go maybe that was some influence there i don't know procol harem whiter shade of pale we skipped the light fandango Uh, 
No? You don't know that I one? do know that now. It took a couple of bars. But... Oh, <laughs> How did you get there? When we visited you in uh, Harrisonburg, we went to see a duo called Over the Rhine. And halfway through, he, we were in the Ryman Auditorium, and there's that beautiful pipe organ. And halfway through, he jumped from the piano over to the organ to play a few tracks. And he started playing that song <laughs> before playing the first track on organ. Man, good memory. Do you remember that? Good memory. I wouldn't have been able to I have a, that. I have a ridiculous memory. I can't remember to pick up my underwear from the bathroom floor, but <laughs> I can remember uh, I can remember that stuff. Wow. That was a good concert, by the yeah. way. You know that song, Whiter Shade of Pale. <laughs> Just keep going. Doesn't the opening of uh, Your Time's Gonna Come kind of remind you of that a bit? I guess not. If you can't really remember it, then I guess. Yeah, I guess it kind of does. Anyways. Yeah. It's just not a band name or song that I had any connection to. I think you said yes. I think that was just bullying. I just bullied you into saying, uh, yeah, yeah, Mike. Yeah, I remember it. Let's keep going. Uh, yeah, it's a neat song. I like this one. Um, it doesn't sound like anything else in the album, really. But um, but again, it it fits for some reason. Well, you talked about you you mentioned a word at the beginning is the hook. Yeah, a lot of these songs, although they're they're grandiose and have a lot of things, there are hooks. Yeah. And this, you know, on the court, your time is gonna come. You know, yeah. like everyone can sing that. Your you know, it's simple, it's easy. Stuck. Beer glasses raised in the air. Yeah. You know, like and anthemic, as they say. Right. Um, Again, great, you know, there's the organ, there's finger picking, there's like, ah, oh, it's just so many things. Man, I'm really, uh, just really gushing right now. <laughs> it's one of those, it's like when we listen, okay, when we listen to Hendrix, it's like I knew the music and I listened to it before and I knew I liked it, but I put it on, it's like, I forgot how much I like it. Yeah. You know, how much, I'm just right into it. So good. Totally, um, totally feel that, Yeah. That has been a great, and I don't want to jump the gun, uh, but that has been a great contrast and balance in this project. Yeah. Listening new stuff, new stuff that it's like, I've never heard this before and now I love it. And old stuff that is like, oh, it's great memories. You know, I've listened, I there's an upcoming album that I listened to the, for the very first time, you know, just a few weeks ago and I'm absolutely yep. loving it. Uh, so that's a, that's a preview. Um, and then stuff here that I've heard before in the world. Yeah, I think that's also my biggest disappointment with this project is that I expected these feelings to be, you know, well into the hundreds. I, I thought we just kind of, <laughs> I thought every oh. album, if it's at the top of a greatest hits, a uh, greatest albums list, should be that way. Even if I'm not familiar with it, it should pull me in. I should be like, oh, this is why this is so great. Um, and. And we've had a few that that's not been the case. I don't think we've had anything where I've thought, yeah. man, there is no value here. <laughs> but but there's been lots that I've been like, meh, it's, it's okay. I can see how someone would like it. But, but I think Hendrix and this album are two great examples of stuff that I was not familiar with, but there were familiar songs. And even the ones that I didn't know, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this builds out to be a really fantastic album. Um, Speaking of songs I didn't know but are just fantastic, this next track, uh, <laughs> another song with Black, Black Mountain, Mountain Side, Side, which is the location of the slides. <laughs> so, did you feel like you were listening to the Beatles again? It, I, I can see why you'd say that. 
with the, you know all the tabla and the the tabla and the even the way he's playing guitar almost the strings almost sound yes. like a sitar but there's there's something different about this that doesn't make me right away think um, Indian music. I don't know why. There's there's instrument Indian okay uh, sounds in it. I think it's the way he's playing the guitar. Um, it makes me think of guitar virtuosos right away. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a like obscure artist who came to our university. I'm <laughs> I'm even blanking on his name. It was something McCutcheon, I think. He was fantastic and did a lot of the like uh, finger picking on a 12 string guitar but with some like tonal muting and stuff too um, sure uh, just beautiful beautiful stuff like yep. I think take away the the drums in the background uh, it still would be a fantastic song just the just the guitar by itself yeah it's cool it's it's a blending of like blues country uh, uh, yep. in the middle is a little break where he does it and it's almost flamenco style yep. um, and and a bit of that eastern sound as well like it's it's a cool it's a cool little it's like it's like a big really pretty kind of guitar yep. solo performance yep. uh, with some other stuff yeah really neat really neat in there we move, move from that one into uh, maybe the other song that could have been a single you know Two minutes, 30 seconds long. It feels a lot like good times, bad times. Yeah. Uh, communication breakdown. Faster paced. Kind of sounds the same throughout. They're not going on different tangents. And- this is what I think of what, when I didn't know Zeppelin that well. This was, like, to me, stereotypical yeah. Zeppelin. You know, like, just like... And some really you know, like, wailing, high-pitched yeah, 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 uh, yeah. vocals, too. Now I, this I have confirmed. This was the B side of Good Times, Bad Times. Uh, okay. Or right. of Good Times, Bad Times. Yeah. So, so it was a forty-five. So on one side you had Good Times, Bad Times. The other side was Communication Breakdown. So it it was on the single, uh, and also on the album. So these, you know, I guess I. Again, I'm I'm this is I don't really know this, so you could maybe cut this, but you're at the record player and you've got the or sorry you've got the you're at the radio station you've got the 45 like yeah someone's gonna flip it over and go well what's on the other side here like (laughs) guys we gotta play this you know like (laughs) like we've got you know we've got it here we gotta play this they're gonna want to hear this you know like you know it's right there i can imagine it happening like that too um Maybe I'm giving Dylan a break tonight. I feel like I'm picking on the stones a lot, but uh, this song makes me think, what if John Bonham <laughs> had been the drummer of the stones? Because this is a fairly simple, uh, uh, you know, bluesy rock song, but his drumming just makes it like way, way different than that. Um, I think the guitar parts, guitar and bass are something I could have imagine the stones doing um but the drums just take it to a whole another level uh i guess the vocals too maybe his his vocals are pretty impressive as well but well charlie watts is a great drummer and he's a jazz drummer yeah um he plays it he plays it jazz you know traditional style holding the sticks uh he plays usually a very stripped down kit um 
you know, yeah, if John Bonham was in the Stones, holy moly. Uh, <laughs> you know Animal from the Muppets? Like that's what I that's what I think of when I listen to the music. Right. I think of a right. guy just like going nuts. Like I mean, yeah. really, Animal was because Keith Moon. That's Animal. Um, <laughs> but like, watch him play. He and he's really just flying all over the place. Uh, eyes bugging out of his head. But yeah, just it's impressive. And even even between he's hitting the symbols on those guitar hits between like the yeah. palm muting. So any other drummer just keeps playing. Right. But he yeah. stops and you know, the, your symbols like imagine, visualize it. Your symbols are way up above. You have to s- extend your arms all the way to hit them. Yeah. Uh, so it's like this very physical thing to, psh, 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 you know, yeah. it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And then solos and like, ah, oh, so good. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I'm out of breath. I'm, just, I'm so excited. And I know you've mentioned before uh, that a lot of times when we're recording, you know, that you'll have um, some of the songs playing in your headphones yeah. as you're talking. And I, it wasn't until very recently you mentioned that I haven't been doing that. So now I'm starting to do that. I'm very much a single task kind of person, uh-huh. but I've started doing that a little more and I've been doing that a lot during this episode. So, uh, that's also got me like really jacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you need uh, to take a break to kind of get a drink of water? <laughs> wipe off this. No, no, I'm good, man. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. I, had, I had a big glass of Dr. Pepper before we started. So I'm good. <laughs> Product placement, little plug there. We can get some Pepsi money. <laughs> But two more to go. Yeah, and we changed moods two more I, times. You know what? I thought you were, <laughs> I thought you were joking when you said, you know, every. Well, yeah, let's talk about every one. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, oh no, you know what? That's a really good idea. We should do that. <laughs> uh, I can't quit you, baby. Thanks. So Mike. another Dixon, Willie Dixon classic. Oh, you're welcome. I hope the feelings mutual. <laughs> Indeed. Can you get a Can you get an audio clip of that? <laughs> the clip. Uh, I can't. I can't quit you. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, this feels similar to "You Shook Me," which it should, I guess, yes. written by the same guy. See, I get I get them mixed up uh-huh. sometimes. Yeah, and I, you know, I like them both, but I. I think they are the tracks. If if you told me to cut two, <laughs> those are probably the tracks I'd cut first. Um, interesting, they're not there. They're not their songs, and um, they're great renditions of yeah. songs. But I want to hear more Zeppelin. I I agree with you. I love the bridge between the old and the new. Mm, yeah, you know, this is not only for the musicians, but also for the audiences and. Again, I think this is really going to... I'm speculating, but I imagine this really brought a lot of people over. Mm, yeah. From the blues or kind of the folk, some more folk rock, a little lighter. Uh, you know, one thing about um, Woodstock, you know, artists like uh, uh, Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson doing more electric, and that really being controversial for a lot of fans, So, which was in the same year, 69. So I think still people are finding... Um, that change difficult to move from kind of an acoustic sound to an Probably electric right. sound. Uh, they bridged the gap very well here, and I, I think it was a very smart move to do these classics in here in their own way. Um, 
I, I could see, I definitely see what you're saying, that they don't always feel like they totally fit. But it's also a great break. Like, you can't, I mean, you can't do Communication Breakdown and Good Times, Bad Times for the whole album. Like, you, you're you going to be exhausted. <laughs> you know, like, your, yeah. your, your brain, you, you need a break from that. You need the blues ones and the dazed and confused that slow down a bit and the... Uh, your time is going to come you know you need that for balance um, and it's great um, but yeah you know classic you know but but again and they get to show their chops on on you know the blues crazy blues solos and the blues drumming and all the fills and Robert Plant's like just long wailing you know it's like oh so cool yeah great this last track how many more times? I love the drumming in this song. And to me, this is the jazziest rock song mm-hmm. I think I can hear of. Like, they're either you're playing a rock song or it's a rock band playing a jazz song. Like, I think of like, you know, like BTO, Randy Bachman doing like looking out for number one. You know that? Mm-hmm. looking out for that's just a jazz it's just a rock band doing a jazz song it's a good song right. this is a jazzy rock song um yeah. listen to the drums yeah like and, that is and really until the buzzing guitar comes in uh you know 30 seconds into the song it almost sounds yeah. like the introduction to like pink panther or something like that like uh yeah it's like kind of sultry jazz too <laughs> yeah um a little bit of theory here. Oh, and I love it. again. Wah wah and wah wah wah. Oh, so cool. The um, uh, jazz is traditionally uh, the emphasis are on beats one and three. Rock and roll is two and four. Okay, so that's rock and roll. Jazz is one and three. One and two, one, two, three, four. You know, like yep. that's, um, and that's this song. Do 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 do. One two three do 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 yeah. do. Okay, so like this is a, a jazz. It's not a jazz song, but it's very very jazzy feel. Yeah, which is different again. It's not blues. Um, you know, and no one I think, no rock fan I think is really gonna go like. I don't like that one. It's a jazz song, you know, like it's not, it's not a jazz song and I don't think you'd be turned off to it, but it is so jazzy in it's, in the way it's executed. Yet they blend in all that great rock stuff with the guitar coming in. He's hitting harder, but he's still swinging. And that's one thing I like about, um, uh, John Bonham's drumming is on, uh, the bridge in Dazed and Confused and this one, he swings very hard. You know what I mean when I say, you, when I say the drummer is swinging, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for some of our listeners, if I'm getting a little too geeky here, it's that where they you you instead of just doing one, two, one, two, you know, you you swing it, you push it a little bit, and you can really hear that. It's more of a syncopated feel instead of just a straight uh, quarter notes or eighth notes. Um, and it's so great. And and also, too, I love his versatility here because I've always identified John Bonham as like a hard-hitting, straight-up-and-down yeah. 4-4 yep. drummer. And listening to this album has been a really good reminder for me that 
Yes, he's hard hitting, but he's not just straight up 4-4. He can do it all, different styles. Um, and even though he still brings that hard hitting style in, he shows that he can do all these other things too. So this is, I, I think, um, the whole album really showcases John Bonham on drums. Um, and this is one of the songs where he really shows. Well, and he does like a dozen different techniques in this song too. Um, there's like a military march portion right in the middle. Yeah. Um, some like 4-4 yeah. drumming too as well. Like, it, I mean, it's an eight and a half minute long song, so it's going to change, especially with Zeppelin. But, uh, you know, you could <laughs> you could kind of hold this up as like, uh, here's everything John Bonham is capable of uh, in one song. And, and he's, you know, and there's other stuff too, but, but here's a good sort of... Uh, snapshot of of what his capacity is <laughs> yeah yeah. <sighs> yeah yeah we did it <laughs> we talked about every one every song one at a time wow. we haven't done that in a while when was the last time we did that i feel like we did it for um marvin gaze what's going I on i think we went through every one of that right. one. yeah and we've kind of i think shied away from it um but sometimes you just can't help it. Yeah, and I, I think, um, so I started this episode kind of with that philosophical question, why this album, as opposed to any of their other great ones, uh, this high up as the first time we see them on this list. And actually, I think going through mm. it track by track gave me even more appreciation than I was getting uh, preparing for this episode. Um, I was hearing stuff from you that I hadn't picked up on before, and just being far more intentional about each track has given me a really great uh, appreciation for this thing on its own, not just this thing representing Zeppelin, but, but, but held above. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I guess I still have some, I, I'm really looking forward, I guess, to the other Zeppelin albums that are on this list because I'm still not exactly sure why the people who were surveyed picked this one as opposed to some of the others. But I totally get why it's on this list. Um, this is a fantastic album, and one that I'm really, really deeply grateful to now say that I know a little bit and have spent some time with. I, I want to speak to that, and one thing I want to do, and maybe I'll get this out for the time we released our uh, reshuffle of of twenty one to thirty. I want to do a chart charting how many albums we've talked about in the top okay. 30 yeah. per year. And I want to look yep. at like kind of a graph chart of that because so many are like 1969, 1970, like, and when we talk about who was polled for this list in 2003, a lot of these people were artists and a lot of them were artists who were mm -hmm. performing in the sixties and seventies um, and other people who were in the industry at that time. And, if you were a fan of the Yardbirds and CSNY and all these other bands, and then this band comes out, that is a monumental change and shift and moment in music history. And I could see that even if you're a big fan of all of Zeppelin's work, you're trying to pick, you know, you're making your list of 50 because I all had to pick 50 and you've decided you want to put some Zeppelin albums on there. Obviously, many of them chose to put this one higher. And I would think because of the market made on 70s rock music at that time, and maybe the market made on them when they heard it for the first time and 
you know, <laughs> had their ears explode uh, because of what they were listening to and what had come before. Yeah. And like, just like, what is this? Just probably like, like when you hear Hendrix for the first time, you just go, Oh my goodness. What, what is yeah. this? Like, how is he and doing And probably that, why you, you get know? some mixed reviews too. People just don't know how to handle it and, and can't imagine can't imagine yeah, this disruptive yeah, sound becoming commonplace either. Um, so I, I like you kind of wondered, and we'll get into was it sound logic, but I was a little yeah. surprised that Zeppelin four wasn't higher because so many really, really popular and massively overplayed songs. But if this list is also coming from a place of, you know, influence and how people were affected by it long before Zeppelin four came out, then I think yeah. this one takes its place you know i'm having more of an understanding having gone through it even here with you and talking about it and listening to it of how just monumental it is so um i think that might be an explanation yeah especially I'm, I'm imagining that a lot of the people who serve who they were surveying were boomers who would have mm-hmm. actually remembered what it was like to have this song this album come out and and change music um yeah and they understand a world without Zeppelin and a world with Zeppelin. And, and I think that's why you probably elevate, because you're not, you're not really critically thinking about their entire catalog. You're, you're imagining, you know, that moment in time where you first heard this debut. Um, it's just a different kind of way of looking at it, I guess. Hmm. I, I agree. Um, a few just general comments before we move on. Uh, and I said before this, you know, this, this album, I think to me paved the way for seventies rock. Um, uh, if you had asked me, you know, listen to this and tell me what year it comes from. I would never say 1969. Yeah. Uh, I would say something, I would say mid seventies cause they're so ahead of their time. And, um, Great segue into, is this album still relevant? There's a band that's come out in the last few years that I think almost everybody knows about now called Greta Van Fleet. Are you familiar? Nope. What? (laughs) Oh, I thought I was asking a rhetorical question. Have you heard Greta Van Fleet? No. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. You're going to stop right now. Go to YouTube. I will. Right now. I'm I'm on Spotify. They're They're from Detroit. I thought you like. I thought you guys would be all over this. I mean, people are. They've got uh, a track with sixty-seven million listens on Spotify. Okay, Highway Tune was the first one, and when this came out, people lost their minds. Who are these people? <laughs> like everybody, because they're like, this is that. This is. This is Zeppelin. This is Zeppelin. They're like, this yeah. is Zeppelin again. Yeah. And these guys are like, tw- like this guy's like 20. Yeah, it totally sounds like Zeppelin. I sound like an old yeah. man and who doesn't know anything right now, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird, you know, I've never, I'm watching the music video right now, and I've never actually seen these people. I've heard them, and man, they're young. Holy moly, they're young. Um, and they sound amazing. They sound so much like Zeppelin, and people are eating it up. Like they have just—they just exploded. They didn't release an album for like I think like a year, year and a half after this song came huh. out. 
because I don't think they had recorded much anything else, but this song was just like, I, I think I read something and everyone was like, you got to get this out right now. Like you have to put this song on the radio because it is insane. And then, you know, they started releasing other singles and eventually they did put an album out. It's called, um, it's called the March of the Peaceful Army and it came out okay. last year. I mean. Um, and it's, uh, I've listened to some of it I, and there's like five or six singles on the radio. Um, and they're all pretty good and they have been criticized a bit for sounding too much like zeppelin um and i think they're gonna have to yeah kind of yeah. branch out well it's like if you listen to um 1974 if you listen uh-huh. to rush's first album it's very uh. zeppelin it's very zeppelin it's before neil pert they had a different drummer for the first album so it's before neil pert um and then everything after yeah. that like that got them in the door and then everything after that is Rush, you know, but I think same with Greta Van Fleet. They're going to have to do something a little bit different, but it's, a gr- again, a great reminder that everybody still loves this sound because they, they're almost totally mm-hmm. emulating. I think about um, Aerosmith's Dream On when I think oh. about similar <laughs> yeah, I, kinds of sounds. I thought it was Zeppelin, Zeppelin for years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry to say. Yeah. Um, but that was also early in their yes, careers yeah, too, right? Early like stuff. they're they're yeah. kind of copying that sound, getting their foot in the door before they sort of find their their unique Aerosmith sound, whatever that is. Um, well, I'm gonna have to check out this uh, newfangled music <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> from you young people. <laughs> it's it's worth a listen, and I mean, like right right away, right from the top, yeah. from the guitar to the first, like because he starts the song wailing, like right the way you're like zeppelin like and i think some people thought it was like yeah. old zeppelin that somebody dug up like what is this because it he's got it bang on um yeah. but it's good it's really good stuff and it's definitely worth a listen um and again like is it relevant heck yes because everyone's still doing it like yeah. we got a band that is almost note for note doing zeppelin and people are just eating it up so yeah well and i think they're too diverse to like pigeonhole them like i think if the whole like mm, yeah Yep. I guess if you pick a track from this album and say, you know, the whole album is going to sound like this one track, it'd be a lot easier to say, yeah, it sounds dated now. But there, right. there's too much going on here. <laughs> well, and, uh, and, and, and you know, if it's like, okay, it's the early 2000s, like, well, we don't really, mm-hmm. we don't really use organs anymore, you know, right. on on rock. Well, okay, so then there's like seven other tracks that. Right. don't really have it you know or yeah. well we don't really finger pick right now everything's heavy okay well there's like you know you're right the diversity of it keeps it relevant because if yeah. a, a aspect of it has lost relevancy there's something else yep <laughs> and, how great uh, and unlike some other bands at this time no one here is being carried by the rest of the band they're all no. so flippin' talented no <laughs> um all four of them and and I think that means that the drumming community will point to John Bonham. The the guitar community will point, you know, to the guitar work on this album. Um, yeah. Uh, even the bass playing, I think, is you know, if you're a bass player, you're probably at least um, trying to figure out whether this is a sound you want to maybe incorporate. So, and, and actually, I and mean, for not the, the swagger, of the, the bass playing. Yeah. 
if not for the sorry, just before you say that, if not for the bass playing, the organ playing yeah, of sure. John Paul Jones. I was going to say the like the incredible. swagger of the the lead singer too. Like I mean, even oh, though we geez. can't see him while we're listening, we can tell how into it he is, and all of those attributes are things that I think rock stars are aiming for today. So yeah, absolutely. This may be one of the more relevant albums that we've tackled so far. Yeah. And, and I and yeah, I don't think I, it sounds a lot terribly dated. I think there are moments in time, maybe the no. the most dated song might be Dazed no. and Confused because it does sound psychedelic. It sounds like it's from a certain era. Um, I, I think, <laughs> sorry. Middle of the yawn. I think re- recording recording quality and technology maybe a um, little we're yeah. way better at record. We're better at recording drums. There's, there's, uh, the guitar sounds today are a lot cleaner. Um, and I think the bass is processed a little differently. Um, that being said, like, yeah, you can say, okay, this probably didn't come out in the nineties because of the, the, just the quality. And by quality, I don't mean it's yeah. better now. It's just more yep. refined now. And it's a, it's a, it's a different cleaner sound doesn't necessarily mean better. You can just identify it as well. This was, you know, seventies or sixties, right? Um, it's but it sounds doesn't sound like stuff from the early sixties. Yeah, you yeah. know, like even in that decade, the the technology has changed and it sounds great. Um, so no, I don't think I it I don't think it's very dated. And, and again, we've talked about this. Jason Crane started this. Uh, the instruments yep. are all played to this day, and many of them in the same way. You're going to be using the same organ sound. You're going to be using a lot of the same guitar sounds, bass, the same types of drum kits. Um, you know, people still wail and, and sing like that. So we're still doing it like that. So, of course, that's not, it's relevant. It's not going to sound dated. So two positives there. Yeah. Was this, was this sound logic to go at 29? Yeah, and I think the only reason I'm hesitating is because I want to go through their entire catalog to figure out <laughs> whether this one is the one that mm. should be on top. <clears throat> I feel like it needs to go higher, but I don't want to put it too high at the risk of like <laughs> then needing to put the other Zeppelin albums ahead of it. You know what I mean? And so I'm <laughs> I'm feeling some of that tension. Yeah. I feel like well, it's similar to the Beatles where like, you know, if you put one up too high, then you end up liking the next one even more, then it bumps that one up even higher. And um yeah, we almost have to <laughs> we almost have to listen to an entire band's uh, career before we can really say for sure. But but this one needs to be higher. I guess I'll just leave it at that. I, I agree with you. I mean, we're going to get it. You can go do that on your own. We're going to get to three more Zeppelin albums before we get yeah. to number 80. Um, and I think that says something too. We've talked about other bands, uh, the Stones, the Who, uh, U2 that have other albums on this list, but they're way yeah. spread out. Like there's one in the 200s. There's one yep. in the 400s. These are packed. Yes. The, the first one is until 29, but then there's like, a lot more that mm-hmm. are grouped they're all grouped the next three that we talk about are 10 right. apart from each other like all three there's only like 69 73 and 79 so they're all right there so someone's saying like well these are right. all great but you know we're just not um i think i think 29 is pretty close and i think the only reason i would say it's 
uh, pretty close is because of what we talked about earlier. The hard rock aspect of this, I think, makes it slightly less accessible for some demographics. It was so hard and so heavy, and I think that counts out a few people. The people who know this and love it, like, Mm. absolutely love it. And I think there's other people who don't really want to touch it. Um, uh, And I'm not just talking about, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the religious stuff and, and there were rumors about, you know, the bands and, you know, selling their soul to the devil and stuff like that. Not just that, but I think also the sonic quality as well was like a little Mm -hmm. too much, too intimidating for people. I think that maybe it's less accessible than the Beatles. It's less accessible than, than beach boys, pet sounds and and other things we've talked about. Um, That's a good point. And it's, it kind of slaps you in the face. So, uh, if it wasn't for that, I, w- I think it should be a little higher again. I think at least one more, um, and, uh, probably a few more. And I think too, because, you know, it, there was only one single and it gained popularity over time, over years, maybe even decades. I think it gained yep. steam. Um, and even though it was revolutionary and affect the music, it, I don't think it necessarily hit the masses till a lot yeah. later. So, I think that's another reason. So I think 29 is not too bad here. Um, I would put it a little closer to number one, um, but probably not too much. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, I, not not bad. <laughs> not bad. Well, um, <clears throat> a solid a solid B plus grading. <laughs> We've already referenced that they're on this list a few more times. Uh, we may as well give you some, some specifics here. Yeah. Led Zeppelin 4 comes in at number 69. Uh, number 73, we have Physical Graffiti. Number 79, Led Zeppelin 2. And number 148 is Houses of the Holy. So you're right. Um, five albums in the top 150. Um, it's some somewhat right. interesting to me, I guess. They've got more albums than that, that, that none of the rest make it from 148 to 500. But... Why isn't three on this list? I do not know why Zeppelin three isn't on this list because it's very, very good. It's very good. And um, uh, I'm not even that familiar with physical graffiti, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, Three is good. Three, three took me a little longer to warm up to. And I don't think it has some of the popular hits on it that some of the other one has. It's got immigrant song. Uh, yeah, it might be the only that, one that's definitely that known might by be. People. See, uh, celebration day. Uh, Friend, friends is a good is a, another good one. Yeah, it. I think it it might not have just been as commercially successful as the other ones, and that you know that again, the only one single, right? Yeah immigrant song and that was the way they did it and they toured and like they people love them live but i think um you know the popularity and the reception and the success of the album also factors into it yep. too so maybe that's, that's why also if you're doing your top 50 that's challenging you you know if you're a big zeppelin fan but you've got to pick your favorites yep. i could see that three might not be everyone's sure. favorite uh Four, yes. One, yes. Two, two's fantastic. Like, you know, wow, just crazy. Um, but yeah, it's very good. So that's it for 
Led Zeppelin one, aka Led Zeppelin by Led Zeppelin, aka the New Yardbirds. Well said. Um, and we want to thank you for sticking with us and listening as we get closer to finishing another decade, as you will, as we move on to album number 30 yeah. on Rolling Stone's Top 500, which is Blue by our first Canadian on the list, Joni Mitchell. And first female artist. It's a double whammy. Yeah. And we'll have a very, a very, very special guest coming up as well. Awesome. I'm looking forward. Thanks again, my friend. Thank you. And to all of you, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.